now it's official. We're ready to go. Um, what I want to do this morning is way back when, if you remember, uh, when we introduced the book of Romans over a year ago, uh, we talked about this idea how Paul, uh, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is very skilled at what's called diatribe or rhetorical argument, where he anticipates questions uh, that his readers, listeners are going to have, and then he answers them. And so um, in a very simple way, obviously, there, you could go much deeper with this. Um, but we just kind of laid out uh, some questions Paul asks and then answers throughout the book of Romans. So I'm just going to read through that again to, to refresh us um, and kind of hopefully bring back a lot of memories over our year in the book of Romans. Um, and then uh, we'll pray. We'll read Romans 15, all of it together, and then pick back up in verse eight, where we left off last week. So here we go. Uh, rhetorical arguments, some, Paul, some answers, questions that, that Paul asks and then answers. So chapter one, through about halfway through chapter three, uh, if the listener's asking the question, I think I'm a pretty good person, I'll make it to heaven, right? And Paul will say, no, uh, none of us are good people. All of us are guilty and fall short. And if you remember in the first couple chapters, Paul is really providing equal ground between uh, Jewish believer and non-Jew or Gentile and really leveling the playing field, saying all have fallen short of the glory of God. So if you're resting on your own merit, your own works, your own righteousness, you and I will fall short of the glory of God. If you're relying on the law to save you and your ability to keep the law, you will fall short. So he, he levels the playing field at the foot of the cross. And then uh, it turns the corner about halfway in about verse 21 of chapter three through chapter five. Now you and I are asking the question, well, then how can I be saved? Very clear answer, Jesus, Jesus alone. Salvation is received by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. God provides his son, Jesus, for you and for me. So it's not the law, it's Jesus. It's not our own ability. It's, it's what Jesus has done on our behalf. And then chapter six, so if I just believe that God's grace covers all my sin, I can be free and then sin all I want, right? And it's a very clear and emphatic no. Uh, if you think you can just take uh, the hellfire insurance without a transformed life, you don't understand the true power of gospel. In Christ, you not only get his forgiveness through his death, but also his new life through his resurrection True freedom is found in conquering the trap of sin. Uh, and in chapter seven, okay, so now that I'm a Christian, I'll never struggle with sin again, right? Uh, no, you will still struggle. So life in Christ will be a struggle with your old selfish nature. We'll do things we don't want to do and won't do things we want to do until we are driven to complete helplessness and despair. Verse or chapter eight question. So what's the point of struggling? Will I ever be set free from this struggle with sin? And his answer is yes. Jesus has already freed you from the penalty of sin. And now his spirit gives you power over sin. And one day he promises to completely free you from the presence of sin, which in Romans 8 is called glorification. Uh, chapter 9, what about salvation? If it, if it requires faith, can I lose it? And these are some questions uh, we've been talking about quite a bit uh, back and forth. 
And uh, he says, because God chose you in Christ from the very beginning and what he chooses, he can't lose. You can't earn salvation and you can't lose it. Chapter 10. Well, if God is the one who provides salvation by faith in Jesus, I guess I don't really need to share the gospel with anyone, right? He says, no, God chooses to include us in his game plan to save others by allowing us to be the messengers of his gospel. It's a, it's a privilege and it's a responsibility. It's not an obligation. It's an invitation into sharing the good news. Chapter 11, what about the Jews? Has God given up on them and moved on? He says, no, God still has a plan for his people, Israel. His promises still hold true in Christ. And now, uh, last one, last question. Now, in chapters 12 through 16, so what do I do? What's my role and responsibility in all this? And he says, after taking a good look at God's great mercy, remember that hinge in, in chapter 12, we talked about in view of God's mercy, or therefore in light of God's mercy, uh, towards you offer yourselves back up to God and worship and give your life away to him live on mission together and these are some of the chapters we're in right now live on mission together with your newfound family of God as you use your unique diversity and gifting to serve each other and love one another more than self allow the gospel to keep transforming you and then watch it transform the community and the culture around you. So those are some of the questions, um, kind of just skimming the surface throughout Romans, some of the questions and answers Paul kind of takes us through with, with the power of the gospel of God to save, uh, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. So uh, Sean Young, would you be willing to pray for us? And then uh, let's read uh, Romans 15 together, and then we'll pick up in verse eight after that. So thanks, Sean. Alshon, you're muted. There we go. Thanks. Got to start the prayer over. <laughs> yeah. Forgot what I said. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Father, uh, thank you for this this time of gathering, and thank you for the past um, year, little over a year, that we've been able to uh, work through Romans and, and, and see your glory and see your patience and see the the beauty of uh, beauty of the gospel. Uh, help it land, Lord, that, that we can share this gospel with, with others. Um, give us the, the, the wisdom um, as we're working through James as well. Give us the wisdom to, to put into practice what, uh, what, we, what we know to be uh, true, to lean on your word, Lord. Um, we ask for uh, open our hearts and minds as we, uh, as we, uh, finish this up, Lord, and, and uh, we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. 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 All right. So can I get somebody to start in Romans 15, verse 1? Take a paragraph or so, share it around. We'll, we'll read the whole chapter together. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up, for Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, 
in accord in in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may want may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For, for I tell I, you, for I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's faith uh, truthfulness, in order to conform confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again, it is said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah said, the root of Jesse will come. Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. I am, I myself am satisfied, satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. But on some points I have written to you very boldly by the way of reminder because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In Jesus Christ, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God, for I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by the word and deed, by the power of the signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. This is the reason why I have so often been hindered in coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work um, in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you. Once I have enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I am going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owed it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service in their, to them in material blessings. When therefore I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to see you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers 
in, uh, in Judea and my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints so that by God's will, I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. 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 Thank you. Um, so kind of circling back to where we started, even this morning, we said that the first couple chapters of Romans, Paul is leveling the playing field between Jew and Gentile, right? There seems to be, you know, we, we only get to read this side of the conversation, right? Of Paul writing to the, the church in Rome. So we pick up on some context clues, et cetera. We don't get to know the full uh, history of what was going on in the churches there. But we can sense from his writing and most, which is interesting to me, most every New Testament letter seems to be going after the idea of unity. It seems to be addressing um, disunity. It seems to be addressing self-righteousness and self-interest and controversy within the church, which in one way, in a, in a sort of misery loves company sort of way, it, it gives me a sense of relief that if nearly every New Testament letter <laughs> was addressing the idea of unity, uh, it means that this is a, this is a, at least a 2000 year old problem, right? Um, and so we, we can find solace in that, that, um, yeah, this is, this is the, really the story of the church is to continue with the help of the Lord and the, the work of the Holy Spirit to seek unity, to, to love our brothers and our sisters more than we love ourselves is not natural. It's not an easy thing. And uh, you sense Paul really going after that in the first couple chapters. And then now as he's beginning to close the letter, you can sense him going right back to that and kind of bookending this whole letter with the idea of uh, Jew and Gentile. You are now part of the same family of God. And he's pushing them towards unity under the leadership, the lordship of Jesus and so we saw in, in, in Romans 14, in the first seven verses of Romans 15, um, him really trying to help them work through even the logistics of weaker brother, stronger brother, right? Of some having a clearer conscience that, uh, that could eat the meat of um, sacrificed in temples uh, to false idols and no problem. That wasn't against their conscience at all. And then some like, no, I, I'm not going to do that. And helping them work through things like that. Some still keeping some of the Old Testament laws and festivals and holy days. And some saying, no, we don't need to do that. Christ has fulfilled all that. So him helping them work through that. And um, he's continuing to kind of move them towards unity. So what I want to ask, I'm going to read verses 8 through 12 again. And I just want to ask you guys, notice, make an observation with me in light of all that context. Um, he's about to quote David, Moses, Isaiah, and Matthew in a couple of verses. So he quotes David, Moses, Isaiah, and Matthew. And so I'd say in light of the context, why does he do that here in verses 8 through 12? So let me read those verses again, and I just want to hear your guys' thoughts on why is he quoting David, Moses, Isaiah, and Matthew here in this section of verses. So he says, for I tell you, verse 8, that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs, and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again, it is said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. 
And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come, even who he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. What do we, so what do you guys think? What is Paul doing here in 8 through 12, specifically as he, he kind of references and quotes um, three guys from the Old Testament and one who walked closely with Jesus? Um, what do you think? I think at some level, um, you know, you, you read Paul and he, uh, his books, and he, he starts out by saying, you know, I'm an apostle by the grace of God. Um, and I, I think at some level, he is um, proud to be a part of the fulfillment of what has happened for mm. these prophecies. And, you know, he, he is the, again, the apostle to the Gentiles. And um, the fulfillment of, in part, or the beginning of it, what this work means, you know, mm -hmm. the, and so I, I, I'm pretty proud for him, you know, yeah. that he can, he can uh, say, Hey, look guys, this is what was, um, and he probably, he didn't probably do it out loud, but he, you know, she's boasting in the Lord, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. I get to be a part of the fulfillment of this prophecy. Yeah. 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 I like, you know, even what you're saying, and if here in a few verses, we'll get into kind of his mindset for his mission, right? And he does use that language of like boasting, you know, in the Lord. And I, I think you captured the tone of Paul's heart here is just how pleased he is that he gets to be a part of God's plan that has been, it's so much bigger than himself. And he realizes that, right? And uh, what a mindset, you know, as you said that, John, it just made me think about you know, our mindset of just wanting to be a part of something that's so much bigger than ourselves, um, that, that only God could do. And you see Paul just kind of bursting with, with joy and like a healthy pride, right? Look at what, look at what God has planned. And now look at how we right now are, are getting to taste of the fruit of it and enjoy the fulfillment of, um, part of this plan. You know, he recognizes his little dot in the story and it's, it's a, that's a cool moment to stop and do that. Dave, I've, I've heard two people this week um, say that they're kind of surprised at how arrogant Paul comes across. Mm -hmm. And, and that's an interesting statement to me because I don't yeah. see Paul being arrogant at all. In fact, I see him uh, deflecting the, the praise off of himself and onto Christ, kind of like what, what John said. Mm-hmm. Uh, have, have you heard, have you heard people uh, say that Paul is yeah. arrogant or come across? Yeah. Arrogant? Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 I really have. I've, I've heard, it's funny you say that I've heard actually several people even recently tell me that they have a harder time kind of um, like with, with Paul's tone, which is always hard to know, right. When you're reading something that was written 2000 years ago, what, what is the tone, but you can kind of, guess it <laughs> you know with Paul because he's so direct he's so zealous he's he's not afraid to just give you the truth and and offend you with with a purpose and I think a lot of people read Paul and yeah they they see his directness and maybe mistake it for pride um mm -hmm. yeah yeah absolutely I think it's and I think we all I think that's the beauty if we stop to and look isn't it amazing that 
the Bible wasn't just dropped out of the sky, right, on these these golden tablets, if you will, um, but instead that God would choose unique human personalities through which the word of God we now get to read. And you can really pick up on that with different authors. You read John, mm-hmm. and it's going to be a very different tone than Paul, right? And I think over time, we just grow to appreciate and love that, Um but I think it also on the flip side, some of us will gravitate towards like, oh, I just love John. He's just so he's just so easy to read and like he's so loving. <laughs> you know? Then yeah. I encourage people, go read first John and tell me if you still feel that way <laughs> when he's telling yeah. you you're not born again because you don't love. <laughs> you know, but uh yeah, I, I think you guys are spot on. I was thinking through it, you know, he references David, Moses, Isaiah, Matthew. I think he's just once again circling back and he, he's really looking at the Jew and the Gentiles saying, uh, and I was kind of hoping Ron would be here this morning because he's asked this question several times throughout um, the study in Romans, is this whole bringing the Gentiles into the family of God was not something God came up with after Jesus. This was his plan all along. It's been his plan all along that all peoples of the earth, every tribe, tongue, nation would glorify him and worship at his throne together, unified. So I think Paul is is polling, saying, hey, even David knew this. Even Moses knew this. Even Isaiah was writing about the day where the Gentiles would be welcomed in to glorify, mm-hmm. to extol God. This is not a new plan. This isn't plan B that God kind of came up with on the fly. He's been planning this before the foundations of the earth were laid. Um, and so, yeah, like I said, I maybe I'll share that one-on-one with Ron because I, I know he's asked that question quite a bit. Like, it's been in God's heart that, that we could be included in this all along. And uh, I think Paul really wants Jew and Gentile in the Roman church to see that and say, oh, this has been his plan all along. Um, any other thoughts on verse 8 through 12 before we move to the next section? Um, I think maybe using John's observation as a segue, I'm going to read all of 14 through 21 And I just want to ask you maybe the tone you pick up in Paul's language and also his mindset of his mission in life. What, how does Paul understand what his life is now about? So 14 through 21, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able to instruct one another. But on some points I've written to you very boldly by way of reminder because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God. So that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, uh, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. There it is, John, right? I have reason to be proud of my work for God. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the spirit of God. So that from Jerusalem and all around to Elycrium, I've fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. 
But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. So here in a second, I'm going to maybe have us divide and conquer some cross-references here and ask the question, what is Paul's understanding of his mission in life? How would Paul describe, this is what my life is about in Christ? Uh, So here in a minute, we'll, we'll divide and conquer. But before we do that, any observations from 14 through 21? I don't want to glaze over um, anything in there you guys want to highlight. All right. Uh, Could somebody take, and I'll type these in the chat as well. Um, So could somebody take Acts 20, verse 24? So Acts 20, 24. Could somebody take 1 Corinthians 15, 10? And then somebody else take just a little bit of a longer one, but worth it. <laughs> I, I couldn't decide where to stop here. It's just so good. Philippians 3, 7 through 16. Um, so keep this Romans 15 passage in mind. And then as Acts 20s read, 1 Corinthians 15 and Philippians 3. I just want to spend a a few minutes together saying, what was Paul's understanding of his mission, of his life in Christ for whatever amount of days he had here on earth? And then uh, maybe what does that mean for you and me and how many days we have here on earth? So somebody got Acts 20, 24? Uh, Yes, uh, but I change something. Okay, but I do not account my life of any value or as precious to myself, if only I may finish the course and the ministry that I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Thanks, John. And then somebody have first Corinthians 15, 10. I do. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. And I know Connie beat you to that verse. So that (laughs) means do you get to read the large chunk? (laughs) All right. Philippians 3, 7 through 16. But whatever I gain, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. That I may know that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Sixteen. Okay. Yeah. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward a goal for the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, 
God will reveal that, you, that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Thank you, Anne. Thank you. So as you read, uh, I think throughout each of his letters, Paul's kind of idea, his understanding of, of who he is and what Christ has called him to and what he wants the rest of his life to be about ever since, you know, that moment on the road to Damascus. Um, Paul kind of sprinkled his mission statement all throughout his letters. It just kind of comes through him because it's so clear in his mind what his life is about. And uh, what would you guys say, maybe in a sentence or a bullet point or a few sentences, Paul's understanding of his, his mission, his time here on earth was about? Well, I think that, um, you know, I, I love that um, uh, passage that Anne read. And um, I got to tell you, I think I've shared with you guys before, when, when I read these passages of Paul and he says, you know, I consider my life as accounted as lost for the sake of Jesus Christ and how our lives and my life would look different if we got a hold of that. Yeah. Um, when we were much younger, what mm. things would look like, you know, and, and, you know, so I think this passage is my second favorite of all time. Mm. Not that I know that, but, or experience it, but that's where I would really like to be yeah. at some point before I pass on. And mm. um, uh, I think that um, this captures the fullness of uh, the walk of Jesus Christ in Christ, mm. you know, to not count your life as, as anything valuable, but that everything is found in him. Mm. Mm -hmm. So I just had to get that off my chest. There. <laughs> yeah. I think you said what we all feel when we read a passage like that, right. Of like, I want to be there, but I'm not yet. And I know that, but uh, I want to be. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, Mel comes home and shares stories uh, from like you guys having the missionaries over to your home, Isaac and Naomi, right? And we both sit there hearing and rehashing those stories. And we're both like, we want to live with that kind of faith and trust and obedience. We know we're not there. We're taking small steps, but Lord, help us. We want to be, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. John, can I ask, um, unless it's a secret, what's your first favorite passage? <laughs> you said second. Well, it, yeah, it's, it is Luke 12, 34, for mm. your treasures that we are real. So, and I just kind of mm. take whatever's in my life or try to anyway, if I think about it, you know, yeah. measure it against, against what my treasure is. And, yeah. um, and I think if my treasure was fully Christ. Uh, I could probably look more like the uh, Philippians or, mm -hmm. yeah. you know. Yeah. And I think in the context too, you know, we went straight to Philippians three, but if you were to back up and look at the context earlier in Philippians one is the passage where, where Paul basically is saying, I'd rather die and just get to go be with Jesus. Um, mm -hmm. You just see a part of, he just loves, he just wants to be with Jesus, but he's like, but you know, 
as long as he's got me here, you know, <laughs> is, you know, this life is about him. And, and so, you know, I think Philippians three makes even more sense in light of his heart of like, I, I can't wait to be at home with Jesus. But in the meantime, my life is, is, is his here on earth. And uh, that perspective really shades it in. Any other thoughts on that mission? Uh, you see heart of Paul. Um, and then we'll, we'll close with the last section here. It appears to be just Jesus. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. That's a, that, that sums it up, Connie. Sums it up. Yeah. Hmm. Well, let me, let me read um, 22 through 29. And uh, or actually, I'm going to read the, the rest uh, all the way through 33. This is the reason why I've so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I've longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you. Once I've enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia, Achaia have been uh, pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they, also, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. When therefore I've completed this, delivered to them was been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. Before I read the last couple of verses, something that I highlighted that, that stuck out to me about Paul, once again, referring to his tone and his boldness. You can read more about this in, in uh, 2 Corinthians 8 as well, some of the context behind him basically moving around these churches throughout the Roman Empire and taking a, a collection, you know, his collection plate as he goes to help out the um, church in Jerusalem, which I believe was going through a famine and a really hard time uh, in that region at the time, is what I've noticed about Paul is he asks very little for himself, but he's very bold on behalf of others. That really struck me about the heart of Paul and just the character of Paul is he's content in Christ, as he talks about in Philippians. Once again, he doesn't need a lot. He's content with a little. He's a content with a lot. He's just simply, to Connie's point, it's about Jesus. But he's willing to be bold and make really big requests on behalf of others. So he's willing to knock on the door of every church along the journey um, and basically tell them it's your duty and your obligation to take care of the church in Jerusalem. So show me the money, <laughs> you know, and this isn't for his own gain. He's not the traveling preacher trying to make money, but he's willing to be bold on the behalf to, to uh, intercede for others. And I thought, wow, to ask little for yourself, but to be bold on behalf of others seems to really be the heart of Paul. Um, any other observations in that section before we bring it home with the last couple of verses? All right, 30 through 33. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ, by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that by God's will I come to you with joy 
and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Amen. Uh, verse 30, I was uh, struck by the phrase there, to strive together with me in your prayers. That word strive uh, literally means to, to agonize, um, to, to, to put the work in. Uh, Paul is, is asking, will you join me in this? As he's made his life, his ambition to be the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's saying, will, will you agonize in this with me? He's inviting the church through prayer um, on their knees to, to join in this ministry with them. And I was just thinking, and once again, asking myself, is that my mindset with prayer? Is that my mindset with uh, wanting to be a part of, of what the Lord is doing through my brothers and sisters throughout the world to, to agonize with them in prayer? Even as we, we pray for brothers and sisters in Afghanistan right now, or Ethiopia, or Somalia, or Haiti, or you know, what, whatever group of, of the church that pops up in your mind and the Holy Spirit brings you your attention, do we drop to our knees and do we, do we strive together with them in prayer? Um, and uh, that's just something that it, it once again, see in, in the heart of Paul. Uh, anything else you guys see in, in these verses here? Well, he wants to be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea um, mm. and no stranger to persecution and trials and stuff. Um, he's just laying it out there. I, I'd rather not go through that again. If I, yeah. If I, yeah. You know. As you say that, John, it reminds me in a, in a small way in, of Jesus's wrestle in the garden, right. Of Lord, I, I don't want to go through this. Um, but then you see in verse 32 here, Paul says, so that by God's will, I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. So it seems to see, seems to be, will you pray to this end? Will you pray with me that God would deliver me here? Um, but not my will, but his be done. seems to be once again, the, the heart of Paul following after the heart of Jesus. You know, I think it's, I, I'm just talking out loud here. I, I, I'm wondering if Paul, during his persecution and trials, you know, it happens so much that, you know, he, he's been there, done that, and he, he's willing to go through it again. But he, I, I'm wondering if he's saying, I, I, I want to bypass that this time so I can get on with business yeah in other words you know do he, he knows that's a possibility but it's a it's, it's a bothersome thing to him because it gets in, in the place of what i need to do and how amazing if that is is his thought how amazing that would be to say you know i i you know i i'm willing to go through it again but it's just a hassle yeah to, to yeah. what i want to really do you know yeah so you're saying you see maybe in Paul's heart here, it's not a prayer that's trying to, it's not a prayer of comfort. It's not a prayer of like, I just don't want to go through that pain. It's a prayer of, I, um, God's got work for me to do. And in Rome, I, I want to make it to you, which he's been stressing throughout the letter, right? Uh, I want to make it to you. And I, I want to fellowship with you. And I want to come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. Right. So Paul's heart is more about like, I want to make it to Rome to refresh my brothers and sisters in Christ more than like, would you pray so that um, I can escape or avoid this uncomfortable 
potential. Yeah, there, yeah it's, uh, it's if I get thrown in jail, it's another six months before I get to see you. Yeah, you know, and I'm just wondering, you know, I have yeah. just yeah. you know, you, you look at Paul, and at some point, you know, I think persecution, trials, and tribulations that as many as he had is it becomes okay. I got to do this again, but I, I it's just a hassle. Yeah. I want to get on with my work and, you know, so um, I just toss it out there. That's yeah. kind of what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. On John, how do we get, how do we get to a place where nothing else matters except the gospel? Um, because it seems like where we are and, and I, I probably speaking for me, um, but we're stopped by mere embarrassment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, of sharing the gospel, whereas Paul, like you said, he's he's saying, man, just just uh, I'm, I'm OK going through it, but it's slowing me down. Or that's what he appears to be saying. And we're like, I don't even want to go through the embarrassment of speaking the word. That's that's what's scary. You know, for me, what it is, is, again, for where your treasure is, every heart be also. Yeah. You know, if, if I treasure him. Uh, nothing else matters. It's, it's, you know, Jesus talking about the, the uh, treasure in the field. Everything else mm. is uh, far and away from him that. Goes in comparison. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah, it's, mm. uh, what's the song? It's, everything goes um, strangely dim, this mm. world. Yeah. And um, you're right, Sean. We, uh, talking about myself, it's 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 embarrassment or you know discomfort of sharing Jesus Christ and you know um, it, I don't know it's, it's it's troubling and sad at the same time. Yeah, where your <clears throat> where your treasure is, I think you nailed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Jesus nailed it actually. <laughs> What's that? I think Jesus nailed it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna go um say the same thing about what John just said is that God had sent Jesus down to be a servant to mankind in order to provide us with salvation. And that was his ministry was to you know reach as many people as possible. And so in the beginning of Romans, we read that Paul was was um selected selected to be a servant of God as well and so his goal was to some somewhat imitate God I mean Jesus's ministry by providing um, providing uh, not providing we should say by spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ and his ministry on earth and so that you know everyone that can be reached could be provided the gift of salvation Mm-hmm. to know who God is and his love for, for all of us. And so that is his goal. I mean, you know, if Jesus did this and he is God, mm-hmm. you know, why can't I, a mere human being, be able to do the same thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, to have that clear sense of, I, I think somewhere else Paul uses the language of being compelled, right? I think in 2 Corinthians 5, he's compelled by the fact that 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 christ the king would give his life for us right and yeah absolutely and it's good 
I don't, I don't have a, a neat uh, bow to tie on this one. I'm just enjoying our conversation. Um, it just reminds me, uh, last night, actually, I'm still kind of processing this a little bit, but last night I had a really kind of long, late conversation with somebody on our back patio. And it was just so good. I'm thanking the Lord for it. But someone who I, I love and um, he was just sharing with me, you know, his whole life, he's, he's the analogy he used, it, it's felt like the way people talk about Jesus and talk about dying and going to heaven has just always felt like, you guys know that children's book, The Emperor's New Clothes. Um, and it's like, it, it feels like everybody just talks about heaven, like it's going to be great, but they don't really believe it. Um, and talk about Jesus, like I love him so much, but don't, really love him it's just it's we're christians we're supposed to say that and he's been wrestling with this for years um but god's just really been breaking through and refreshing scripture and and leading him into repentance and confession and seeing uh for the first time that the good news of jesus applies to his sin and to his life and like this um this hunger for Jesus and this hope for heaven is, is beginning to just kind of flicker with him within him and saying, man, this, this thing seems to be real. And it was just so fun to hear that. And for somebody who's like, from a, from an outside perspective, everybody's looked at him as probably a great Christian his entire life, but it's just been this past year. He's beginning to realize like Jesus is so good. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm beginning to love him and I'm actually beginning to believe that he loves me. And I'm actually beginning to think that, uh, heaven, heaven is going to be better than I can imagine in his presence. It's not going to be as boring as I feared it would be, <laughs> you know, and he's just sharing this with me. And I was just thanking the Lord and just saying, yeah, that's, I want that for all of us. I, I want maybe for us to maybe just have the courage to say, when we don't love Jesus as much as maybe we profess or think or um, want to believe, but to say, I want to. Um, and, man, you know, let me be honest. I, I want to long for heaven the way that Paul does and the way that he says, I just want to die. <laughs> It'd be better to die because I just want to go with Jesus. But I still like my life here on earth too much. Like for us to have the courage to, to say that and then to, to say, Jesus, I want my heart to treasure you more than anything else and watch him answer that and watch him grow that within us and watch our love for him and his love for us and our longing for heaven become more and more real and genuine versus um, just kind of putting the face on. So I'm still kind of thinking through that, but I was just thanking the Lord. He's just so good. And in different moments in our lives, he opens our eyes to that. Um, and moves us down the trail to, to be a little bit more like Paul, whose heart was to imitate him as he imitates Jesus. So any other thoughts, uh, comments, observations, and we'll call it a morning here. Um, I have a, I have a quick one, but we'd be backing up a little bit. If that's yeah. okay. Yeah. Paul says in 20, and thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation that always struck me as odd because the foundation mm. should be the same. Yeah. I wonder what he means by that. Do you have any ideas? Let's see. That was verse 20. Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm not sure, honestly, what he means by that. I really don't. Um, It seems to be tied to, uh, like John said earlier, he has a very clear calling to the Gentiles. Um, And so I'm wondering if he's found throughout the years that it's really refreshing to preach the gospel to a Gentile who knows nothing about God. Uh, versus trying to get it through the heart of a very religious person who thinks they already know God. Um, yeah. Is my first initial thought is, man, for, for someone who has never experienced God to get to tell them the good news of the gospel and, and see them respond to it and get to like start on a clean slate, you're not trying to reshape their view of God. You get to give them kind of their first view of God. Uh, is, is yeah, those are very different. Those would be very, very different conversations. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where it feels okay. like, I mean, just honestly, our task here in America is everybody kind of has an understanding of God. We all do, but it's very warped and distorted, and a lot of religion and a lot of bad church experience, all that stuff is kind of mixed in there. And so for me, I've realized in teaching and preaching the Bible how much of it is, is really trying to first using scripture to shoot down all the wrong views we have of God and the church and, and, and then get to, this is who he really is. And I wonder if Paul is saying, man, when you, when you go to a foundation that hasn't been laid yet, you, you get to skip and bypass that. And you just get to say, here's Jesus. And here's how awesome he is. I don't yeah, know. That's seems like, it seems like you currently, like you said, in, here in the States, um, we have to realign, mm-hmm. be realigned with scripture. Yeah. Um, whereas maybe a new, a newer foundation is, is, um, no, yeah. you don't have those, uh, you don't have baggage. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Which we all do. Right. And I mean, every culture, you know, yeah, will have its, its different type of baggage, but yeah, my brother Chris and some other missionaries have just shared stories of like what it's like to walk into a village where um, it just it clicks and it connects and they're like, oh, like this is why we've been doing animal sacrifice. We just didn't know it, <laughs> you know, like it was written within our hearts, but we didn't know who we were worshiping. But now we know, you know, just how cool that is. So I don't know. I don't know if that's what Paul's saying there, but that's my initial initial thought. Yeah. Well, it seems to me that um, he kind of explains it down at the, you know, quoting the verse, those who have never been told of him, of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. I think he's alluding to his uh, call to go to where the gospel has not been sent Mm -hmm. and uh, set up that foundation versus, as you guys are talking about, building the, uh, you know, the the, the body. so I don't, that's just a thought. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Thanks, John. Yeah. Hmm. Well, good. All right, everybody. Well, I'll pray for us here in a minute. And then um, I, I'll send out a reminder early next week about uh, breakfast. So let's just say food will be ready at 730, but come on over at seven if you want. Um, so yeah, and I'll, I'll kind of send out what I'm thinking of making. And then if anybody wants to bring a side dish or a drink or something, great. But 
no pressure at all. So Connie, you have a, what'd you say? A, a white trash casserole? Poor white trash casserole. Oh, yes. poor, sorry. It has everything in it that you would expect for a, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm already excited about this. Everyone, <laughs> everyone loves this casserole. It cracks me up. Oh, that's so good. I can't wait. I can't wait. So, Dave, is there anything that we can bring that uh, would make it easier for you guys? Uh, I'll think on rolls. No, just tea. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Connie has an answer and a wonderful plan for Anne's life. <laughs> and Anne's immediately muted. Yeah. I said I'm gonna make Sean make him this time because he said we. Yes. Yeah. I said, yeah. what can we bring, not what can we bake here? <laughs> <laughs> what can we buy and deliver? That's yeah. Right. Well, I'll let you guys sort that out. But I, what I'll do is maybe on Monday or Tuesday, I'll send out a text saying, here's what I'm making. You know what Connie's making. Anything you guys want to bring that would complement that. But I don't think it's going to be a ton of people. So we don't have to like overkill it. But um, yeah, that sounds good. Let me pray and uh, we'll let you go. Father, we um, come before you and just want to pause and, and, like Paul, just revel in the fact that this was your plan all along. Just want to thank you for Jesus, that um, Jesus, you would become human, walk here with us, live in perfect obedience to your Father, led, empowered, uh, in step with with your spirit um, to fulfill the law perfectly, um, loving the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, loving others more than yourself, dying for your enemies, dying for us while we were yet enemies. And, and uh, Jesus, we just say thank you. Thank you that we get to be a part of this plan, this story. Um, that we get to be involved in bringing glory to you, God, that you've made a, a way for us um, to be saved from our sins, rescued, delivered, and brought into the family of God. And Lord, we, we just confess, we, we look at the heart of Paul, we look at some people around us, we look at church history, and we see men and women who have just been so compelled by this good news that they can't be quiet about it. And we just confess that um, fear and people-pleasing and a love of comfort has kept many of us from being bold and courageous and zealous for your glory and your gospel. And we, we confess that. And we want more and more and more to be compelled by this good news of Jesus. Jesus, we want you to be the treasure of our hearts. And so we turn our eyes upon you, Jesus. And we want to just be so in love with you and compelled by you that you are the treasure of our hearts and that our life begins to uh, be nothing to us here on earth compared to knowing you. So Holy Spirit, would you help us to that end? We need your help. And we, we want to just glory in you, in you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right. You guys. See you guys. Have a good morning.